Hello and welcome to episode one of the Nerd Switch podcast. My name is Dylan and I am an avid consumer of many nerd interests. Joining me today is my good friend, Jeremiah, my fellow nerd. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me today. Awesome, awesome. So in this episode, we're going to be doing a deep dive on phase four of the MCU or Marvel Cinematic Universe for those of you who are unfamiliar. Um, Basically, phase four has been a pretty divisive phase with a lot of Marvel fans, Uh, whether it's feeling like there's just too much that Marvel's putting out to where there's a bit of Marvel fatigue or other smaller issues within. We're just going to kind of deconstruct it and look at it as two Marvel fans ourselves. So let's go ahead and flip the switch and dive into why we feel that people are starting to lose interest in the MCU. So for those of you who don't know what exactly a phase is within the MCU, I'm just going to break that down real quick. Um, Basically, it started back in 2008 with the release of the first Iron Man movie, and that consists phase one for the MCU, which runs from 2008 to 2012, basically Iron Man all the way to the first Avengers movie. And each major block that Marvel has put out has been a different phase in their storyline. So Phase 2 had Iron Man 3 all the way up to Ant-Man. And then Phase 3, which was Captain America Civil War, all the way to Spider-Man Far From Home and Avengers Endgame. So Phase 4 has been the most recent phase that they've been working on. And it's consisted of movies like Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, uh, Spider-Man, and then Doctor Strange, Thor, and the yet to be released at this time, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, as well as a slew of TV shows that we'll talk about. So that's what we're mainly going to focus on today, is just the most recent phase, and why people just aren't really enjoying it all that much. So one of the first points I kind of wanted to go into detail on, Phase 4 definitely has a lot more entries in the MCU than the other phases. Uh, Currently it's consisting of like six or seven movies as well as a handful of tv shows compared to previous phases only having like for example phase one six movies as well as phase two only having six movies and then you know phase three a little bit more extensive but that's when we were at the height of the infinity saga so it makes sense Had um, to do a lot of build-up for them there yeah <laughs> so they, they've done a good job with the build-up in the previous phases but what's going on with phase four is we're kind of in like a back-to-basics phase. For those who maybe deal with comics at all, usually after the end of a big arc, they'll kind of go back to more uh, solo outings for the individual heroes with a little bit of setup for future stuff. Throwing in some new characters, adding whatever they can to the story to kind of add to a future plot. But at this point, I feel like they're just kind of running out of there. <laughs> I feel like they should start the plot soon is what it's coming to yeah i'm not seeing it there yeah just looking at phase four overall i mean they are doing some sort of setup for future stuff like they've been messing with the multiverse a little bit even though they haven't done anything too substantial with it but at the same time we have all these individual releases like shang chi and the eternals that aren't really connected and it's cool that they're introducing new heroes but there's so much going on at this point that if you're not familiar with the mcu it's kind of hard to look at phase four and really know what's going on at this point um so even though they're trying to do kind of a back to basics phase 
I don't feel like they're executing it super well. Just kind of the focus is all over the place, in my opinion. But with that, so the quantity versus quality part that we're looking at here, the movies themselves have been good for the most part. There have been a few disappointing releases, but we're getting to the point where there's so much coming out and there's been a little bit of controversy as well with VFX artists in the movies and shows where there's a noticeable decline in some of the CGI. So I, I feel like it's at a point where Marvel's doing so much. I'm hoping, though, <laughs> that they kind of, they've been kind of bringing it back for some of the bigger movies that they were releasing. I feel like some of those movies were coming out during a rough time. So CGI wasn't at its best. The effects weren't at their best. But they're slowly kind of picking it up and getting it to where it needs to be. But then they're still trying to work on it, like, sorting everything out. Yeah, which is true. It hasn't been the worst thing ever. I just feel like with a company as big as Marvel, with the resources that they have, it shouldn't be too challenging for them to kind of keep up on the quality side. But I feel like they're just trying to do so much to where maybe their resources are spread too thin to kind of make sure everything's up to what we expect from them at this point in time. Um, so we've had some good stuff, some stuff a little questionable quality-wise, but let's uh, go ahead and jump into the next main point I wanted to discuss, which is the introduction of Disney Plus to the MCU. Uh, is Disney Plus actually a bad thing when we look at the overall? Um, Not kinda... entirely. <laughs> it's had some... Setbacks, I can say, especially with um, how Black Widow was handled. They were going to go out to theaters, but then they released it onto Disney Plus, a paid subscription, and then they said, hey, you should pay us some more, though. Right. And that was also kind of an issue with uh, Scarlett Johansson herself, because I think that went against what she originally signed up with that for was, the release. That did go against her contract. That's a huge <laughs> ordeal right there. So they, again, try to speed their quantity rather than go for quality. Right. They could have easily waited for that movie to come out. And that is also kind of a post-effect of COVID because, you know, trying to release movies at a time where no one can go to a movie theater is tricky. And the implementation of Disney Plus, I think, was handled fairly well. But looking at Disney Plus as it ties to the MCU, we're now looking at an essential paywall to some of the MCU content where you have to see some stuff on Disney plus that won't be available in movie theaters. And that can create kind of a gap in my opinion, where you might go into a movie without all the information you would need because you missed a chunk of time that was only on Disney plus. And you know, not everyone can afford to pay for like seven different streaming services at a given time, especially during the pandemic. I have to limit myself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So I like Disney Plus overall, but I do feel like creating that paywall for some content, like if you look at uh, WandaVision, which was a Disney Plus exclusive, and then the new Doctor Strange movie, for those who maybe don't have Disney Plus who went to see Doctor Strange, there's going to be a pretty big gap there where you're not going to know what's going on, because you might remember Wanda from her previous role in uh, Infinity War and everything like that. But then to see the gap where all of a sudden Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, she's basically Game of Thrones mad queening it. It's just, it creates a bit of a gap that for those who can't afford to pay for a streaming service as well as see all the new releases, it's going to be kind of hard to keep up with it on that aspect. Um, furthermore, on top of that, 
with how Disney Plus is doing things, if you look at their actual episodes, a lot of their shows are only running like six plus episodes with variable episode lengths. They have a good amount of time for the episodes, but for I feel like they could be doing more because yeah, they only have those six episodes. They're only doing about an hour. Sometimes they give it up to an hour and a half. I mean, we've seen episodes as short as like 30 to 40 minutes, though. And that's the one thing that's mm-hmm. weird to me is normal, you know, TV series that run, it's pretty consistent as far as like season episode count, episode length. But Disney Plus kind of seems to just be doing it as they see fit per episode, which to me is just kind of weird. I'm not a huge fan. Kind of throwing in what they feel like to throw in. They want to add maybe this scene, but then they're going to cut some other stuff. Yeah, could be could have been added. And even then, when you have some series that are running only six episodes long, it still feels like they're full of just padding, which when you're only giving so much time to run that kind of story doesn't seem like the best choice to me. But yeah, so Disney Plus aside, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I wish they'd do a little bit better with it. But, you know, with COVID being a thing, it's probably kind of tricky how they work that in. But let's go ahead and jump over to the next point I want to bring up which is the mishandling of characters within the MCU. This is something I think they've been really shaky on, and not even just in Phase 4, but a lot of it within Phase 4. But let's talk about some of the character assassinations we've seen. Uh, For those of you who don't know, a character assassination is when we see a portrayal of a character that, you know, has always been laid out a certain way or that we understand the characterization a certain way of. And then suddenly we might see a shift that either isn't established or doesn't align with how we would expect that character to be portrayed. Uh, Something the MCU's kind of done a lot with some of its main characters. And one that I want to point out is the Hulk. Poor Hulk. Yeah. Oh, the, the MCU has done my boy so dirty. I used to, when I was a kid, he was my favorite hero. And he didn't really have, there was a couple of Hulk movies before the MCU started, I think. There's two, like, known movies. There's the original movies, but the two main movies is Hulk and then the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, so the Incredible Hulk was kind of in the MCU. Um, If you guys remember, that was actually a different actor who I don't know the name of off the top of my head, but before Mark Ruffalo took the role, they had uh, 2008 The Incredible Hulk, um, which wasn't a terrible movie. It was very CGI, meh. Like, remember, Abomination and Hulk. You know, it's 2008. Special effects aren't going to look that good, but it was a solid movie overall. Um, But the way that Hulk has been handled in the MCU has not just been a Phase 4 problem. It's more just kind of throughout the whole deal. And, you know, having a character swap from the very first movie probably plays a pretty big part. But uh, since the beginning of the MCU, so Incredible Hulk, was the only movie where we've had Hulk actually be the main character with anything in the MCU. Um, since then, he's pretty much been reduced down to a side character, uh, whether that be in the first Avengers or Age of Ultron, all the way up to Infinity War and Endgame, where now we're at a point where Hulk isn't even really a character. He's just kind of Bruce Banner, but a little beefier, a little more green. He's not really getting his time, definitely, anymore. Yeah. And I feel like that's really sad, especially with the fact that he didn't even get any time in the last two movies. Two big movies he did not get really any time for. 
Yeah, it's been kind of sad. Um, like, one thing to note for if you're into the comics at all with the Hulk, he's supposed to be this, like, unpredictable force that the Avengers use to kind of turn the tide like a wild card for them. But he's always dangerous to have on the team at the same time because you can't really control him. Like, he'll go in and destroy stuff, but you never really knew in the comics if he was an enemy just to, like, the uh, enemies of the Avengers or if he was also a threat to the team itself, which was a cool dynamic of the character and why I think it worked. But then you look at how he's implemented in the MCU and they don't really dive into that aspect at all. They touch upon it briefly with movies like uh, Age of Ultron and Ragnarok, where... Even the first Avengers, he was still... had his own kind of... Hulk alter ego where he would get his little comeuppets here and there, especially with the fight with Thor. Right. That was one where it's kind of like didn't really show that he was on their side. He still was in it for himself, but he was still willing to smash for. (laughs) He's willing to smash. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just kind of he hasn't been handled super well. I mean, it's supposed to be the alter ego is a really big part of the Hulk's character. You know, it's supposed to be two completely separate people, basically in the same body. But Age of Ultron kind of touches on it, because you see that they had to use Black Widow to kind of lullaby him back to being Bruce Banner. But it just hasn't been consistent, because in the first Avengers, like, he's totally fine as the Hulk. It's There's no issues between him and the team. He's and, always angry. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes no sense, by the way. If he's always angry, he would always be the Hulk. According to how that character works. <laughs> According to There was one incident where they where Loki used him against the team. And that's where he destroyed like the helicarrier. Right. So he had moments of where it was like this split. Like he was still a possible threat. I mean, even look at the helicarrier itself. It had a cell for the Hulk. That right. was for him to go to if there was ever an incident. Yeah, it's just like they can't really decide whether they want him to be like an uncontrollable member of the team. That's a threat to them as well as their enemies. But it's like sometimes they, he's perfectly fine and other times yeah. he's not. <laughs> they tried to get it there, but it slowly they gave up on it. They're just like, nah, he's cool. Well, he's here to help. Right. And that brings me over to Ragnarok, which... Originally, I really liked this movie, but the more I think about it, like, it's kind of the first movie where Hulk really started to fall apart for me as a character. Um, So, for those of you who know kind of Hulk's other arcs within the comics, so there's Planet Hulk, where Hulk... Super great arc. Right. (laughs) He's sent away... Actually, like, he's tricked into leaving the planet by his own team, just because while he's an extremely powerful member of the team, he's... Because he's uncontrollable... They send him away because ultimately the risk is too high to kind of keep him around. But Ragnarok kind of runs with this, except they turn it into a Thor movie. And Hulk in this movie just becomes so much more of like the goofy side character where they use him much more for comedy rather than, you know, the serious character he is or should be, in my opinion. So Ragnarok kind of derails him, and then it really goes bad for me in Infinity War and uh, Infinity Endgame. War, like he just doesn't show. Comic book wise, Thanos is afraid of the Hulk. He doesn't want to keep a fight going with the Hulk, so he will do whatever it takes to end that fight with Hulk because he knows that if the Hulk is able to keep fighting for a long period of time, Hulk will win. 
Right. But instead, <laughs> dude got destroyed in like 10 seconds flat. And then <laughs> he was scarred for life for it. Like, he's like, no, I'm done. I don't care anymore. Yeah, it's super sad to me that basically Hulk's last movie is the first 10 minutes of Infinity War. After that, you do not see the Hulk again. I don't care. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you, his face does not count. <laughs> Yeah, it's just super weird to me. And even the trailer for Infinity War originally showed the Hulk on Wakanda in that battle. But for those of you who have seen the movie, you know now that it's just Mark Ruffalo who's kind of now having a fight with his internal Hulk. Yeah, no, he was there. He was running with the whole team. That's actually sad to even think that they then cut him out and they just gave it to Hulkbuster instead. Yeah, and it's just Mark. even Mark Ruffalo's character has also been drawn down just to be, like, comedic side relief at the point. Yeah, the most, like, the smartest, one of the smartest people in the MCU. And he's kind of just thrown to the side. He's just there. He's kind of also more comic relief for the most part. And it wasn't really what was good. Like, first Avengers, Mark Ruffalo, great character. He was cautious. He was on edge. But he had, he was doing a really great job. Right. Yeah, so overall, like, I like what they did for the most part with the Hulk in the early part of the MCU. Like, he wasn't terrible in Avengers. They did do more accurate Hulk stuff with Age of Ultron, but Age of Ultron just isn't that great, unfortunately. And then Ragnarok is where they really just started to write him off as a side character. So, not super happy with what they've done with the Hulk. But that brings me over to talking about the next character that I feel the MCU has horribly mishandled, and that is our boy Thor himself. Poor Thor. Poor Thor. (laughs) (laughs) So, Thor 1 and 2, not great movies, but Thor as a character, I think, was really good. You know, he had kind of the, the tragic side between, you know, Odin and his brother and everything, and he was a good character for the most part during the time that they were setting him up. But it's another example of where they took a character that used to be serious and started to shift him over to being more comedic relief. And once again, pointing at Ragnarok for this first movie that kind of shifted Thor to being that kind of character. They definitely took him a different direction than what he was. Right. Because at first, this is still meant to be a godly character, very powerful, and... He is supposed to lead a kingdom in the future. The way he was after Thor Ragnarok, that is not a leader. And they made it so that he's like, no, he's not leadership material. Where it's like, no, he was groomed and (laughs) literally raised by the king there to be groomed for that role. He was spoiled, which then his father brought him down from that and he had to learn from it. That sounds like a great story, though. He was coming, he was becoming better to prepare for his role. And then they just like got rid of it entirely. Right. Yeah, I did like him in Infinity War for the most part because he still was a bit of a serious character there. They did pretty well for him there. (laughs) In Infinity War, I liked where his path was. It took him to get the, uh, his new, his axe. He had to really kind of, he went through a lot of loss there. So it's, he really had to, Right. He's lost kind of vengeance (laughs) kind of thing. He's lost more than most characters. Like I think Thor is one of the most emotionally explorable characters in the MCU Mm -hmm. because between everything in the first two Thor movies 
and then, you know, basically losing everything in Infinity War, you know, they could have done some really cool stuff with, like, having Thor handle his grief and everything like that, but then when you jump from Infinity War to Endgame, it is one of the most, like, shocking twists and changes was, of a character. It, I'll, I'll give it that the humor was there, and I feel like they were trying to make it human a little bit, because it's I give up kind of feeling. Right. But at the same time, it was played. There, there are other grief methods than <laughs> that. Yeah, it was played way too much for comedy, in my opinion. You know, thick Thor, while funny, it just kind of destroys everything in Infinity War. Melted ice cream. <laughs> Melted ice cream was yeah. quite a view. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm really not a big fan of what they did with Thor in Endgame. And they, they try and recover it later with Love and Thunder, which we'll get into later. But it's just another example of taking a serious character and moving him to the side is more of comedic relief. Don't love it. <laughs> um, but moving from Thor, uh, the next character assassination I want to talk about is actually Wanda Maximoff. This was a character introduced to us in Age of Ultron, kind of the first... Uh, introduction of mutants in the mcu if you want to say between like wanda maximoff and quicksilver but i actually really like her character in age of ultron they didn't super good character right they didn't dive too much into her backstory but they gave her just enough to be compelling while also having her be on a villainous angle but also like redeemable to the point of being a good hero which they brought into civil war and like between age of ultron civil war and infinity war I loved this character. I thought Wanda was great. Another pretty emotionally explorable character between her upbringing and like losing her brother. Yeah, she had loss. She had buildup. She like was on the other side at one point to going to good. She had a story and development and it was gone. I can tell you that. <laughs> it, it left after a bit. Yeah, so... Probably not a show that a ton of people have seen, but on Disney Plus they do have the WandaVision series, which explores uh, Wanda as a character post Infinity War, which I didn't think was bad. I thought it was a good show overall. It it's actually really good. It shows that if you have superpowers and you go through something like this, it's, this is something you would probably do too. Right. Like there's a part in the episode, or not the episode, but the whole series where it explains that the town was created as a manifestation of her grief. Like Wanda didn't actually even know what she was doing. It just, her power was so connected to her emotions that she lost control. Right. And it took over that space. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, and I, I guess spoilers for WandaVision, but she basically is controlling this town with her mind to kind of live her own fantasy where she gets to continuously be with the vision and kind of live this happy life with a family and kids in a neighborhood, you know, where everything's kind of chill like that. But as the, the show... Weird 40s time frame. Yeah. <laughs> I, which I actually quite like. It was show, interesting. It was interesting. Yeah, jumps around from different kind of typical sitcoms. So I think as far as being original, WandaVision was really cool for that aspect. But throughout the show, you kind of get these hints that not everything is kind of as it seems. And you kind of start to realize what's going on, which I thought was really cool. But it gets to a point where Wanda realizes she's basically holding these people hostage. And when she finds out that she's hurting them, she as her own character puts, a spell, or puts an end to her spell immediately. 
and you see good resolution, like where she's willing to basically let Vision go and let her kids go to stop being a monster in her eyes, which is going to tie into something we talk about later. But yeah, so all the way Age of Ultron, Infinity War, Endgame, and WandaVision, I think she's portrayed as a great character. But where the actual character assassination comes from is Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness. I really do not like this movie at all. Um, love Sam Raimi, but... <laughs> Basically what they did, for those of you who've seen Game of Thrones, if you remember season 8 and the controversial Mad Queen, where they take a character and just make her insane without really setting it up first, that's essentially what they're doing to Wanda in this movie. They didn't build up on it enough. No. The end of WandaVision is like a small introduction to it. The, um, the one thing that she has is the Darkhold. The Darkhold is meant to corrupt whoever is holding it. It has its own possession, it has its own agenda, and it uses whoever has it to their advantage. Wanda is meant to have the real Darkhold, because there are copies of that, comic-wise, and the dark, the real one is to summon Karos, I think that's how his name is pronounced. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Comic book wise, basically uh, a demon. He was there before reality and he is trapped in another world and his book was made from his own flesh to may hopefully get him to come back. And Wanda is that key. He is Wanda is who he wants to possess because he'll have all of his power, her power with his dark hold able to come back to the our world right and they didn't do any of that <laughs> they didn't do any of that for this movie this, this was all about wanting her kids back which in wandavision she had already let go that's one point i want to bring up because one thing i learned is that the uh, director for doctor strange 2 actually admitted that he did not watch wandavision which is why when you look at wandavision and compare it to doctor strange it seems kind of like it on not really undoes everything, but it doesn't really even pay attention to what happened in WandaVision. Um, so we go from her resolving the conflict at her own will, you know, being able to let go of Vision and her kids to stop holding these people hostage, and then we're immediately jumping to her straight up wanting to kind of kill someone. She, yeah, and she's <laughs> already gone. Like, I was surprised the whole thing with uh, Doctor Strange going to see her, asking her for help. All of a sudden, the entire area was an illusion, and she's been faking it. Yeah. That was insane. Like, it's like, why is she this far gone all of the sudden? Yeah. If that's what she was doing originally, the whole farm, the apple orchard, that sounds like something she should have been doing. And then the dark hold kind of came into play. Or she had the book from WandaVision, and they used it with Doctor Strange to understand the multiverse, and then she loses control. Her emotions come back. Her feelings towards that, and that's what drives her mad, basically. Right. That would have made more sense than her just already being insane. Yeah, they, they really should have taken some more time. If this is what they wanted to do with her character, 
especially after WandaVision, where it's like the conflict was resolved, but now it's like it never even happened. They should have just taken time to establish it rather than immediately throwing the audience into this perception of Wanda where it's like she's hell-bent on doing whatever she has to do to get her kids, you know, and it doesn't really work. also Vision was there too? Where'd he he go? Right, and it's like why is Vision not a more realistic drive for that kind of motive rather than kids who never actually existed? Existed. yeah. (laughs) All a matter of her mind making them. They never existed, and Vision, who she truly, truly loved, was who she should have been the one missing, not something that was existed for a few months. Right. Yeah, just, they took a really good character with good establishment, and I do kind of blame Sam Raimi for not actually looking into WandaVision for a lot of this movie's problems, but for me, it just doesn't work for her character. It seems incredibly unrealistic as something that she would do at that point without any more like establishment. But those are the three characters I think Marvel's done pretty dirty. But now let's kind of jump into some of the other character mishandling issues we've seen within the MCU. And a lot of it for me deals with the introduction of some of the new characters. Um, we're seeing some examples where you have some characters that are introduced as kind of already being perfect you don't see a lot of character conflict uh whether that be characters like kate bishop from the hawkeye show who was introduced as basically already being on equal grounds as hawkeye without a lot of setup which it she's a good character she loses her family is adopted and trained yeah that's it they don't really dive into the training which i would have liked to see Training just... would have been really cool, especially <laughs> with Hawkeye. That would have been really fun to see. Right. But yeah, instead she's just kind of introduced and you see within like the first episode or two that she's already basically single-handedly fighting these like crime families and all this stuff in there. And it's just, you don't give the character any struggle and it makes them not only uninteresting, just not very well established. Another character that I think was just not good, and we'll dive into it a little deeper later when we talk about some of the movies that have come out, but characters like America Chavez from Doctor Strange 2 that I don't think were set up very well, as well as uh, looking at other examples where they bring in new characters that just don't get any character development, like The Eternals, which is another movie I really don't like. (laughs) Yeah, their own movie, and then they were never once thought of during any of the other phases. Yeah. They just all of a sudden are here and apparently more powerful than any <laughs> other character. Right. But then they weren't there. Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit more in depth later on when we talk about the uh, disappointing releases from Phase 4. But the last point I want to talk about mishandling characters is uh, how they're treating the old characters when new characters are introduced. Um, This is something we see a few examples of, like if you look at Thor Love and Thunder, where they bring Jane in to be the mighty Thor, which I thought was really cool and something that I'm okay with the MCU MCU doing because it is comic accurate. But the way that it's done is they bring in Lady Thor or the mighty Thor by making the original Thor basically stupid. He's having breakup problems with his hammer and his axe. <laughs> yeah. He's talking to inanimate magical items. He's never talked to him before. Why did he start doing it all of a sudden? 
Yeah, it's just, I don't see why Marvel struggles so much to bring in these new characters without kind of stepping on the old ones and making them look worse. Like, a movie where both Thor and Jane Foster could stand as, like, strong Thors would be awesome. But in this movie, they kind of just raise Lady Thor up by making original Thor this kind of oath or oath character, you know. It doesn't really work for me, and I wish that they would kind of handle it differently. But we see it in other movies, too, where Doctor Strange 2, which is a Doctor Strange movie, but it's very much, you know, Wanda Maximoff and America Chavez are the main characters of that movie. And they kind of... should have been called Wanda Maximoff. <laughs> Multiverse of Madness at that point. They should have just called it the Multiverse of Madness. Just don't even give it the main... <laughs> yeah, don't, even give, don't even announce a main character for that movie. Yeah, because Doctor Strange is kind of pushed to the side there. And even on top of that, you don't see Doctor Strange change at all as a character. He kind of just is did, in the movie. Yeah, he did kind of good <laughs> to his original movie. For his second movie, though, he was not the main character. Yeah, he doesn't undergo any character development, aside from getting like the third eye from using the Darkhold for a minute. It's very much just Wanda and America Chavez. And then... It's just an example of kind of pushing a character to the side and making them less important to raise up these new characters, which bringing new characters into the MCU is a great thing. I just wish they would do it more like they did in previous phases, you know, to properly establish these characters without feeling like they have to bring other characters down to make these new characters look better. But that pretty much does it for the uh, character issues I have within the MCU. I want to jump into another main point that I've seen a lot of people talk about as to why Phase 4 just isn't as good as some of the other phases that we've seen, and that's just an overall lack of focus, uh, kind of a directive that the Phase 4 is taking. If you look at Phase 1 through 3, uh, basically the Infinity Saga, you see that it's all working towards one cohesive goal in the end, which worked really well. You had these solo outings for characters, introducing them while simultaneously having crossovers and working them towards uh, Infinity War and Endgame, which worked really well. But then Phase 4 is going all over the place where they're bringing in solo characters, they're messing with the multiverse, they're introducing characters in TV shows and doing some crossovers there. We're seeing characters being reintroduced to the MCU, whether it's like uh, Daredevil inside of Spider-Man No Way Home, as well as uh, Kingpin and Hawkeye, which is great. I love that they're bringing these characters that were outside of the MCU in. But when you look at Phase 4 as a general broad view of it, it's kind of hard to see what they're trying to do. It's not developing anywhere, really. They yeah. don't have this sought-out plan like they did with the Infinity Saga. I, they've said they have a plan, but we're not really seeing it where their plan is to go with everything. Right. Yeah. Like, as I mentioned earlier, it's like they're trying to do a back to basics phase, but they're doing it while also trying to set up what I think they're trying to do is like a multiverse saga. They're doing something multiverse. That's like, I can see that being like part of the goal. I'm just not seeing it with all the movies and all the series they've made. I'm not seeing where they're all going to connect yet. Right, and it's like, while they have several movies focusing on the multiverse, you also have other movies that are just introducing characters with their own conflicts, which is fine. I just don't really see at this point how they're going to try and tie everything together, because it seems like things are very separate, 
compared to how they were in Phase 1 uh, through 3. But yeah, just kind of a lack of focus with Phase 4. We've definitely got our theories out there going right now. Everyone's trying to come up with something of what they could be trying to do, which that's always great to do. It's just I always really enjoyed growing up seeing everything come together. Right. And right now, I'm just not seeing anything come together. And they've released already 15 different things for this phase, (laughs) and there's nothing coming together. Right, yeah, where, like, phase one through three, you know, six movies for phase one and two, and I think it was, like, 11 for phase three, but at that point, they had tied everything together very nicely, whereas where we almost have more entries in phase four than the other phases combined, and it's still going, and they're not doing enough, I think, to tie it together, and I'm sure they'll get there, but it's just going to leave phase four feeling really messy, in my opinion, but... Looking at the structure of Phase 4 aside, I want to move over to the next big point. And this one, it's going to be hard to do either way, because what it is is uh, filling the shoes that were left behind uh, Captain America and Iron Man's absence in the MCU. So, big spoilers for Infinity War and Endgame, but at the end of Endgame, basically the MCU is left without its flagship characters in Captain America and Iron Man. And these are characters that basically have been with the MCU since the very beginning and kind of tied everything together through Avengers, Civil War, Age of Ultron, everything. They've been there and they've been the characters you look at as like the face of the MCU. So launching into Phase 4 without either of them, it's going to feel like there's a pretty big void there to fill character-wise. That's going to be hard to handle either way and... While I love how they handled the the characters passing in Endgame, it creates a spot for Phase 4 where you don't have any characters you really tie to it the way that you did with the other ones. On top of that, on the unfortunate side, where I think uh, Chadwick Boseman in the role of Black Panther, I think he was kind of supposed to be led up to being the main face of the MCU, but unfortunately he passed. Uh, during that time. So, Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Right. <laughs> so we're just left in a weird spot where we don't have any characters that are really... One of the big things with the whole Black Panther, he was like an equal to Cap. He was a uh, heart of gold like Cap. Right. And we'll see what they do with that when it comes to Wakanda Forever, because I'm sure they're going to reintroduce the role with one of the other characters there. It just, it creates a kind of spot in the MCU where we're missing those big characters that we need to kind of tie everything Thor, together. Thor lost his, his good friends, and <laughs> he needs friends, so... Yeah, and Thor could have been one of those flagship characters if they didn't completely derail him as a character. <laughs> they, they made him think that he is unfit to lead at anything where he has definitely the experience in life and knowledge of the world that he could have helped lead in many different ways right yeah so we'll we'll see what they do they could look at characters like shang chi or uh spider-man even has been kind of set up to be in that sort of role he definitely has been kind of set up to be like a tony character and comic book wise spider-man peter parker is known to be one of the smartest characters again in right. the MCU, his character, he is a young Spider-Man at the point right now, which is why I really hope we get to see another side of this where there's a mature Spider-Man at well that can help kind of fill the shoes that we need. Right. 
So we'll see what they do. It's just at the moment, without a big character in Phase 4, it just is another factor contributing to the phase feeling pretty messy as a whole. But that aside, let's jump into the next issue. And uh, fair warning, it'll get a little bit political, but we're going to be kind of talking about representation and diversity within the NCU. Um, so one issue I've just kind of had is it, it feels like Disney and Marvel at the moment is much more politically motivated. That's for sure. <laughs> we're seeing a lot of releases where its main driving force, whether it be like a main character of a different ethnicity or just having more diversity in the cast, everything like that. Looking at representation and diversity within Phase 4 itself, so one good example, or I guess bad example of this, is uh, The Eternals, where this movie was applauded initially for having pretty much the most diverse main cast. They of, have every single thing in there. Yeah, like not even just the most diverse cast within a Marvel movie, but within a lot of movies in general. But the problem that it has, while it's awesome that they're being diverse, is having all these characters in a movie where they don't actually set up the characters or make them interesting, it doesn't do the movie any favors. And this isn't an issue with diversity in the movie itself. It's just the movie didn't take the time to make these characters interesting to the audience. Eternals did kind of like a, a quick throw out, I felt. They just kind of like threw a cast together. Right got all their characters on there and they're like okay here's your scripts go through this <laughs> go through the role you're you're diverse but that's it right it's like look we're extremely diverse we've got the first gay superhero as well as the first deaf superhero but none of our characters are interesting you know so while it's awesome that they're being inclusive when you don't do anything with the characters to actually make them special, it just kind of feels more like a face value. Success for representation rather than doing something meaningful like they did with Black Panther or Shang-Chi, where they really fleshed out those characters and made them interesting to the MCU as they, a whole. They brought in their actual culture and showed another area that's they had different locations for it. This right. was still done in a very basic location. So yeah, just not a very good example of representation and diversity in my opinion. Obviously a little controversial to even talk about it as two white males, but it's just what we perceive it as an audience. But moving aside from that part, there was also a pretty big questionable gender swap in the MCU Phase 4. And I'm pointing to Black Widow, and this character is the Taskmaster. So for those who don't know, Taskmaster... It, it, he's never really been a main character within the MCU, but always a compelling villain, at least to me, where he basically has this ability to watch something and replicate it combat-wise, which is super awesome, but Black Widow does a really questionable rewrite of the character to make it work for that movie, where we see that it's actually the daughter of the main villain in the movie, and... While it kind of works for the movie itself, it's just a change to the character that I don't think was necessary, and I would have rather seen them introduce a new character to fill that role, so that it actually could be maybe a new villain for the MCU iteration of, you know, Black Widow, but instead they're just changing a pre-established character for what I don't see as being a very good reason. Comic book-wise, too, it goes off that it's every hero has their villains they fight. They have their own group that they go to fight. Taskmaster itself is known to challenge Spider-Man from time to time and follow in his steps to go after him. Right. 
And that's one of his villains that he goes after, especially being in the small town neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, it, Taskmaster is usually a multifaceted character where you do see them fighting different characters within you know, the Marvel comics, but at this point they've changed the character to tie to a very specific movie at a very specific time. And while they are bringing Taskmaster back in the Thunderbolts, I just don't see how the character is going to relate very well since it was now established, you know, within Black Widow being a completely different character, essentially. It but, means that they have to kind of create their own character. They can't really go off of stuff because then they're using other material that wasn't for this character. Right. And that's where I just would have rather seen them create a new character. <laughs> they could have given it a new name, a different look. They don't need to always use stuff from the comics. If they want to make a new character, make a new character. You don't need to take over a character, change it how you see fit to make it your character. Right. In some words, that's called plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just kind of questionable in my opinion. I don't love it. But let's uh, talk about the next big point. And we've seen a lot of kind of contempt with this online where the MCU is introducing a lot more female roles because... When you look at phase one through three, it is definitely more male oriented as far as like how many male characters you have compared to the female characters. Good job, Black Widow. You stuck out there. Right. <laughs> Which I'm fine with them bringing in new female characters. I think it's awesome that they're including more within phase there four. There are some amazing female MCU characters. Right. Villains and heroes. Right. And so they've done some of this very well. But at the same time, we're looking at examples like Thor Love and Thunder where they raise up a female character by making the male character just kind of useless. Which I'd rather see Thor and uh, Jane Foster stand as equals. You know, both could be badass Thors in the same movie without having to make one kind of a comedic side character. And, you know, just other examples like that, like Hawkeye where... In the Hawkeye show, Hawkeye is most definitely not the main character because, you know, Kate Bishop is there. And Kate Bishop is a good character, but it's just another example where why can't they both be highlighted in the series where maybe it's like a passing of the torch. He, like, never got really any moments. Black Widow gets his own movie. Hawkeye gets yeah. <laughs> a series, but then he's not even the main character of his own series. Right. Again. Kind of pulling another Doctor Strange. Right. And yeah, just other small examples, you know, Loki, where they bring in Sylvie as another version of Loki, which I don't think is a bad character. It's just another example where they take the main character and kind of dumb him down and push him to the side a little bit. Uh, same with the more recent release with She-Hulk, where we see another example of uh, Bruce Banner kind of being pushed to the side. Poor Hulk. I... <laughs> Poor Hulk. Even you see it on his face in the show. He he's being pushed to the side. Yeah, he feels it. So I just wish they would do a better job of kind of introducing these new female characters without kind of stepping over the previous already established characters. I don't see why they feel like they have to dumb down the male side. And I'm not trying to be sexist. I love women. My fiance is great. <laughs> <laughs> I just I feel like they could do it better. You know. <laughs> Um, and furthermore, on top of that, some of the new female characters aren't getting very good character development. Um, one example of this being America Chavez from Doctor Strange 2. A character that 
was very questionably introduced in my opinion. Like you, her backstory is just her basically getting scared by a bee, which has her open a portal that kind of disappears her parents. And that's supposed to be her character trauma. But when you look at that from the angle of like exploring trauma, it comes off more as like a face slap comedic thing. Like as a a child, I doubt she would really comprehend (laughs) that is trauma at that point. Right. Like you're in another universe at that time. You're going to be more used to other things and you just opened up a portal and then they were gone. And then every time you got scared from then on, you ended up in a different location. That building with that always having to be teleported to like random locations you're not going to be used to. That's understandable as a child being you, you can be a little traumatized from that, but at the same time, as a child, you're going to get used to it pretty quick. It's not a full sense of trauma. Yeah, just... Compare compare that to poor Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just some characters not really getting fleshed out. Like, in, like we mentioned earlier with Kate Bishop from the Hawkeye series, she's kind of already introduced as being a strong character rather than having a little bit more setup. So I, I wish they would just kind of flesh out the characters a little more, make them more interesting, give them more backstory that way. But overall, looking at diversity and representation, I'm happy they're bringing in more female characters. I just wish they would have done it in a way that was better for the already established characters. And I don't feel like it's something that they really did. Bring them all together, not <laughs> one above the other. One's, yeah. one's over here, one's over there, together. That's how I think it should have been done. Looking at Civil War, they had multiple characters come in for that. They chose their sides. They came together. It brought them, brought this group together, and they were weren't considered lower or better than one another. Right, and even like outside of the MCU, look at movies like uh, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, where they they introduced Miles Morales finally you know, as a character in the movie sense without making Spider-Man look terrible, even though there was a more goofy version of Spider-Man in the movie, they didn't really disrespect Spider-Man's character while introducing Miles Morales. Instead, it was very much like a team effort between the two so they could both stand out as still being the great characters that they are. It's just, it plays into the overall issue where I feel like Marvel is geared much more towards a political agenda with their releases rather than just focusing on good storytelling. I feel like they're kind of trying to check boxes, you know, make sure we've got X females in our movies going forward. And, you know, so many different ethnicities and disabilities. Actually giving them good scripts too. Like they don't need to express their, um, their woes or how they are as a woman. Let them, it's, Show, let them use their actions. Fight well. Have a great story. Give us something that's worth the watch. Right. Yeah, even looking within Phase 4, movies like uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and Shang-Chi, neither of which felt politically motivated at all. And, and I mean... Shang- every character was included with both. Right. Like, everybody was doing something. They didn't have an agenda during the movie itself. They were actually felt like they were a part of that story. Yeah, and Shang-Chi specifically being like the first, you know, Asian lead in a Marvel movie, 
they didn't use that as kind of like a look at us, look what we're doing kind of thing. It just played out in its own way with its own story, and it worked just like it did back when they did Black Panther. But that's kind of the overall issues I've personally had with representation and diversity. Um, But let's push that aside. We don't want to get too political. As Obi-Wan once said, I'm not brave enough for politics. So let's uh, move away and talk about the next main topic here, which is disappointing blockbusters within the MCU Phase 4. So we've touched on all of these briefly. We're just going to kind of go over them real quick. Phase 4 kind of launched. I think it was Black Widow was one of the first movies to come from Phase 4. Which, of the worst movies in the Phase 4, I think is probably the most like tolerable. I think it's a solid movie overall, but I find it personally just to be underwhelming. Um, first of all, Black Widow should have got her solo outing way back in like Phase 1 or 2. Yeah, not <laughs> after her uh, untimely... Demise? Right. Spoiler. Which, yeah, it's... <laughs> they. She should have definitely got her own movie. Um, doing it this late just kind of feels like... They're like, hey, we need another movie with a female lead. Oh, you know, let's do Black Widow, even though she's dead now and a lot of her story's already been resolved. I think it would have just been better if they did it back when they were introducing other characters. The hope is multiverse. She's, she's still alive. I don't think so. (laughs) She's in the multiverse. Are they going to bring her back? We don't know. (laughs) But yeah, Black Widow itself as a movie isn't terrible. It's just there's a lot of things within it that kind of hinder it, in my opinion. It feels more politically motivated at the time that it was released, where the main character or the main villain of the movie is basically just uh, a human depiction of like toxic masculinity. And the villain itself, he wasn't very interesting, but I don't know, just didn't really work for me. Not a terrible movie, but I don't love it. But uh, up next on the list here is Eternals. I don't like this movie at all. (laughs) It's uh, very jumbled and unfocused. They tried to establish the biggest independent team within the MCU, I think. It was like 10 characters, and I think the initial script actually had even more, but they had to cut it down. I'm glad they cut it down even more. There's so many of them for that movie. Yeah. It's just, they're trying to do so much in Eternals without setting anything up, really, and this is one example where I think the movie would have fared better from being a Disney Plus series, where they could actually take the time to, you know, set up its characters and make them interesting. But instead, Eternals just feels like it's trying to accomplish this whole large storyline within a small runtime, and it didn't really work. Uh, The characters weren't interesting. I don't even remember half the movie, to be honest. I just don't think it was very good. But up next, a more recent release, Thor Love and Thunder. Originally, I think I mentioned earlier that I used to like Thor Ragnarok quite a bit because I do like Taika Waititi as a director, but then I started to realize kind of what Thor Ragnarok did with uh, Thor and Hulk himself, so I don't like that movie as much. I thought I would like Thor Love and Thunder, but then the movie kind of continued on with making Thor a comedic, dumb side character. They made him, like, just right off the bat, Guardians of the Galaxy were already tired of him. For the way he acted, and that he was too strong for their group. It really, like, made their group look more ridiculous, having him there, 
and made him look ridiculous that he was doing something so mundane. That, and while I really do like Taika Waititi as a director, in this movie, I don't think he goes more than, like, two minutes max, which in within every scene before he has to feel like he makes a joke. And for me, that just really derails the movie. Um, you're constantly having these gags thrown at you, whether it's the goats that are screaming every five minutes through every scene of the movie. The which goats is, were really funny, though. I hate the goats. <laughs> they were so stupid, but they were funny. I liked them for, like, the first couple scenes they were in, but I got tired. They did get tiring after a bit, but it was still really funny at first. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just they go through so much of what could have been a more serious movie, and they kind of make light of a lot of subjects, even the more serious I note I mean, they of, tried to pull... They tried to call out, basically, like, look at Zeus. He's just philanthropist and he's not in shape or anything he's he was almost as bad as uh, melted ice cream thor right and even more serious plot points like jane foster having cancer which is one of the driving forces to her seeking out you know mjolnir and becoming the mighty thor or lady thor they make fun of that at some points in time which just messes with the pacing and kind of does these unexpected tonal shifts that don't really work for me. So, I don't know. I feel like they tried too hard on the comedy and it kind of disrupts the experience, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the seriousness of it, that there's a man out there who lost all that he had and he wants his revenge. He This is serious matter. He's going after all of these, all of the gods, considered gods, and... He is doing something serious, but nobody wanted to take him serious. They'd rather go for humor and pretend like everything was fine. Right. And tying into that, Gore himself, who's the main villain of Thor Love and Thunder, played by uh, Christian Bale, almost a really good character, in my opinion. Um, he had some good setup, but... He needed a little more screen time, yeah. definitely, because <laughs> he didn't really get a whole lot. <clears throat> It's uh, Gore, the guy who says he's a god butcher, but the movie never really shows you that. It just shows you kind of the aftermath. It's a show, don't tell, which I think is a really bad way to approach establishing his character. I think if he got the screen time he deserved to kind of establish that, he would have been a more imposing threat in the movie. But it didn't really work with the way that it was portrayed in the final release. Um, on top of that, Thor Love and Thunder was an example where we started to see some of the bad CGI, whether it be like Gore's, you know, dark creatures or other questionable effects that we see in the movie it just didn't look great in some scenes. And then my final issue with the movie was that it just constantly changed locations without establishing any of the places that they were, which for me made the pacing kind of fly all over the place. And yeah, just not they a did, movie. They jumped around a lot for that yeah. one. They would go from one location to the next with one different character to another. But it's okay, though, because we had the screaming goats to yeah, guide us the whole way Yeah, we had screaming goats there. to give us a good transition scene, I guess. So yeah, Thor Love and Thunder... Pretty disappointing release in my opinion, um, but to me, not as bad as the next movie we're going to talk about, which we did bring up earlier, but Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I wanted to like this movie, but as it stands, I think it's one of my least favorite movies in the whole MCU, um, just mainly because a Doctor Strange movie where Doctor Strange isn't the main character, assassinating Wanda's character, as well as having a questionable side character with america chavez that just wasn't set up very well and didn't really work for me in the movie what did you think of uh dr strange sir jeremiah i agree that it 
definitely cast it aside Doctor Strange. Wanda's character, as we said, was not really developed well for this. It counteracted some things from her own series. Going into this movie, there should have been a cause and effect. Not just the effect is there. It's she should have we should have seen why this had all happened to her and something to bring about that. Not that she just was like, because mm-hmm. in my opinion, for comic book wise, the Darkhold should have been that cause. That should have been what was bringing her to these emotions, to these decisions. Not that she just wanted to be evil all of a sudden and would kill any amount of multiverses of herself just to have her own kids that technically would not have existed. Right. Instead of her, instead of the Darkhold using her to fulfill its purposes, it's more her just using the Darkhold to propel her own interests, which already don't make sense because like we said, WandaVision already resolved that character arc for her. So it's a continuous issue that just does not work for me with this movie. But, um, even more on top of that, we're we're at a point in Marvel where they're heavily banking on like the nostalgia factor, you know, where we saw No Way Home, which is a good example of this, bringing in like the previous Spider-Man as well as intru- reintroducing a uh, Daredevil to the MCU. But for me, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it has the Illuminati included. They bring in some really good things. The Illuminati is another form of like a league that could assist as heroes and assisting like the multiverse they have such smart characters for that that they are aware of what's going on they make it their job to assist all realms as well and that's kind of one of the things that brings up like like thor he is technically in charge of nine realms but they cast him aside from that so now he is completely out of the loop isn't a part of that group. Then you have this Illuminati that's doing that job that Thor was kind of ideal for in his case. So some of the things like that Doctor Strange did bring in, some of the plots, some of the story elements were good. They just should have kind of had that cause why this is happening rather than just (laughs) throwing us in and being like, here's your new character. Here's Doctor Strange using a different form of magic. Oh, he died. Yeah, it felt cheap to me, just like they included it more for, like, the wow factor from, you know, since No Way Home was so successful for Spider-Man, I feel like with Doctor Strange, they kind of tried to recreate that success, but for me, it just falls flat. And you even see in the movie, the Illuminati are there for all of about five to ten minutes before they're just kind of dismissed. Notice. Two of them that were capable fighters are taken out (laughs) instantaneously. And then one fighter who I personally think would not have lasted as long as they did was there for a good 10 minutes of it, of a fight, because they just felt like this was a better fight character than the other two. Right. That and Mr. Fantastic, who's, you know, supposed to be pretty high up there as being like one of the smartest characters within the MCU basically immediately proves that to be wrong when he's like, you know, Black Bolt could destroy you with one whisper from his mouth. And then, you know, Wanda Maximoff being like, what mouth? Because, you know, you don't... It's just not something I think his character would do. The fact that she could take away the dude's mouth and break reality (laughs) like that, why did all of them get a fight scene then? She literally could have just blinked them out of existence. 
She right. she was that powerful to take away that a mouth. She could have easily taken away their hearts, <laughs> and they would have died like that. Yeah, I just I don't think they really had to be in the movie. I get that the movie's multiverse themes like gives them a seat there, but I feel like they should have handled it a little differently, rather it being more like a cheap inclusion for shock value from the audience. One thing I have a question for you with this movie is why like when a movie is before it's coming out, do they try so hard to hide cast and like hide ideas? That I think just to hype up, because if you remember Spider-Man No Way Home, during all the time that led up to that movie's release, everyone was speculating that the other Spider-Man would be in the movie, and it just plays into kind of getting excited for it, which they didn't do as well with Doctor Strange, which is maybe another reason that it doesn't work as well for me, but... They they do show a lot in the trailer, and that's one thing, it's like, if you're going to hype something, show less. right. You can do trailers, just don't announce certain things. That, and if you're going to largely base your trailer on being exciting for that very reason, have it be a more substantial part of your movie. Because, yeah, because, <laughs> like, the one thing is, is this was Doctor Strange 2. And I'm like, okay, I'm hyped for Doctor Strange. What is he going to do? Oh, there's the Multiverse of Madness? Okay, he's going into the multiverse now. We've seen it with Spider-Man No Way Home. What's he going to have to go through? And he honestly felt like a tag-along for this movie while other characters were the lead role. Right. Yeah, just a lot of stuff from this movie that I didn't love. Um, Very disappointing to me overall for multiple different reasons, like we said. But to cap that off, looking at Phase 4, I don't think it's necessarily all bad. There are some things that Phase 4 have done that I enjoyed. Um, Looking at the movie side, movies like Shang-Chi and Spider-Man No Way Home, I think they're both really good on their own. Um, Specifically Spider-Man. Fantastic movies. Right, that's the right way to do kind of a crossover with uh, other characters where you actually intertwine them and set them up for the story rather rather than it being a cheap payoff. So I think it worked really well in that movie's case. I liked uh, Shang-Chi's like, good foreshadowing. Although, again, they didn't have a cause for one scene, and that was Abomination. He got like a 10-second scene. <laughs> and how, how is Abomination there? Why do we have Abomination even in existence when we never had a cause for him to be in existence? Right. That one actually... have You haven't seen She-Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that they do kind of touch on that in She-Hulk briefly. Oh, really? Yeah, so it is explained later on, but I do agree. It's kind of like a really random inclusion for mm-hmm. that movie at the time, especially... See, like, for that movie, you're especially not going to know who that was <laughs> unless you know who it was. Right. But yeah, I think both the new Spider-Man and Shang-Chi on their own are really good movies. Um, I don't have too many issues to pick with them. I wasn't a huge fan of the inclusion of the, you know, the actor Mandarin within Shang-Chi, but comedically it worked. I thought it was fun. <laughs> nice little surprise. I'm just like, oh, hey, it's that guy. Right. But yeah, both just really solid movies. Definitely the ones I enjoyed the most from all the movies we got from this phase. And then looking at a Disney Plus on the TV side, a lot of the shows fall flat for me, but I did enjoy... WandaVision, and I enjoyed most of Loki. I thought they were pretty decent. A lot of the other shows, though, haven't really stuck out to me too much. What, what about you? 
Um, for the most part, I've been really okay with some of the movies. I've definitely really liked Shang-Chi and Spider-Man No Way Home. I liked ideas from the others. Uh, Black Widow had its moments. Mm. And then, um, and then especially with, uh, Eternals, the idea of where they're trying to go, I really like that, that range because it really brings into Galactus. Hopefully. I'm really excited. That is a super awesome character in the MCU. Thor, I had, again, moments that I really enjoyed, moments that I didn't. I kind of wish they would have done a little bit less humor, like you agreed. That they were just having a little too much humor for the movie. Mm -hmm. And done a little bit more serious. I kind of want Thor to be a leader. I want him to... He was one of the characters that was with Captain America and Tony Stark, he definitely has a right to be in a lead role in the Avengers. Right, especially when you're planning on pulling out Iron Man and Captain America, you know, Thor being the third pillar of that kind of trinity. Yeah, we don't need to keep losing characters. <laughs> like, we can keep these people around for at least a few few decades in these roles. Yeah, yeah, just some questionable stuff there. Um, as far as... Uh, the TV shows on Disney Plus go. Were there any that you particularly liked, or? Um, definitely um, liked quite a few, uh, a couple of them. Uh, what was it, Moon Knight? Moon Knight. I really enjoyed Moon Knight. That was such a like a new. That's kind of a good way to throw in a new character. Right. Because that was like completely random character. No, not many people know about him. They gave him a full story, character development, who his character was, what he has to, what he, who he is, and what he has to do. Yeah. Where he fits in with the rest of this, like, MCU, where he's going to fit in, that I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't remember if they said that they for sure canned that, or if they were planning a second season. I would be interested to see more of him, though, because it is an interesting character that, yeah, just not a lot of people know about. <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of the uh, big kaiju fight at the end, though. I thought that was that a was dumb. that was pretty funny. <laughs> I will admit that was quite something indeed. Uh, WandaVision, super great. Um, I really enjoyed watching that. It was a really good like. It was her going through her grief, and you had to kind of like see her go through it, and then make like make the realization of what she's doing. Yeah, much better cap for her character. Yes, than, uh... much better. Like she went through <laughs> grief. We understand. She lost the person she loved, and she wanted a life with this person. So she, her with her abilities, she was able to create that. Yeah. And we got to see that. That's a cause and effect. Yes. Then we have things like what if. What if is always a favorite thing of mine to do is what if this happened? What if this were to change? I always enjoy seeing those. I think what if is the only one I actually didn't watch. Yeah. So I don't have an opinion on it yet, but it does seem interesting to kind of see... You know, the hypotheticals on some of these characters. Hypotheticals can always be fun. Because then it's <laughs> always interesting. However, there are... Mul it is like what if and multiverse what if. So, multiverse kind of makes a lot of what ifs possible. There is a female Tony Stark named Natalie. Hmm. <laughs> and yes, they uh, start a relationship with Captain America. That is a multiverse. <laughs> Very huh. interesting stuff out there for these multiverse... Yeah, another thing uh, I did enjoy from Phase 4, 
is kind of reintroducing some characters that were outside of the MCU. We're starting to finally see mutants come in to the MCU a little bit through shows like Miss Marvel, as well as um, uh, seeing Xavier in Doctor Strange, which I just don't think was handled as well in that movie, but it's still cool to see that they're kind of starting to introduce that. So was America Chavez a mutant then? Uh, that one I'm not sure on. I don't know too much about her character. I'm per- like, from what I can remember, I remember there being something that America Chavez's character in general was a new character, as in, like, a recent comic. Yeah, could definitely be the case. I haven't looked into her much on my end. I just know what Doctor Strange 2 gave me, which didn't paint a great picture, in yeah. my opinion, <laughs> but... Yeah, so it's still cool to see that they're kind of bringing mutants in, as well as reintroducing other characters, like uh, from the Daredevil series that was originally on Netflix. I do like they're bringing them back, although I hate that. Yeah, we need Daredevil, we need Punisher. Punisher. Bring them back. John Bernthal. <laughs> if we can get them, I want them, is we need a new Ghost Rider, because <laughs> I want Cosmic Ghost Rider. That's what I want. I will I will settle only for Nicolas Cage in this role. <laughs> <laughs> Great character. <laughs> I'm all for it. Yeah, and I did not like that uh, Kingpin, the way he was brought back and then just kind of killed off by Kate Bishop. I thought that was kind of... See, I'm surprised by that. I don't think he's going to, like, either he... If he's dead, that's kind of, like, such a huge loss. Yeah, when it's, like, not even her character. Like, he's, like, such a Spider-Man villain. Yeah, Spider-Man and Daredevil, that's where Kingpin resides for sure. Kind of weird to me that they would choose to throw him in there, but still cool to see that they did. I just wish, you know, like a lot of other examples, I wish they had done it. it. Yeah, and or, you know, just do it differently in a way that makes sense. So yeah, that's uh, the things I did enjoy from Phase 4. So it's not all bad, just overall I think this phase is not as great. For all the reasons we listed. Aunt May's death was meh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I took a bunch of notes before we did this, and the uh, one thing I didn't like from Spider-Man No Way Home was the way that they killed Aunt May. And huge personal bias... Uh, Spider-Man is all, has always been my favorite Marvel character. I love how they've done him everywhere except for the MCU. Which I think they've done some good. If they would have done an older Spider-Man, I would have more enjoyed that. Well, yeah, I just... Spider-Man, for me, has always been the most relatable character. And I don't Mm. like that the MCU made him more of like a protege to Tony Stark than his own character. Yeah, because he rivals Tony Stark's genius. Yeah. He is rival to it. Like, the way that they did it makes sense for the story that they've told. It's, like I said, just purely personal bias. I would rather see him be his own character as he's been in the past. But, you know, it's the way they've done him in the MCU is fine and good. It's just not the way I prefer to see him. That's why I'm really excited for more multiverse Spider-Man and especially, like, Into the Multiverse. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited for that new movie. Yes. Please bring us The Amazing Spider-Man 3. Uh, yes, Sony. Please, please. please. Um, crap, what's his name? What's the, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield needs his his movie. He needs he needs to find his uh, his MJ. Right. So yeah, looking at uh, Phase Four as it is, the last thing I kind of want to touch on here is just what I feel the MCU kind of needs to do from here to kind of get things back to being a little bit more cohesive and strong, like the MCU should be. Um, mainly 
you know, find more focus. Uh, right now, things are kind of all over the place. I'm sure phase five and six are going to tie things up nice and neat, but phase four feels very messy. I would like to see that. This is like the side arc, and <laughs> it's just, it's not, it's, it's canon, but it's not canon, you know? Right. It's just here. We have to watch it, and then we're going to get into a story. That's, what, that's about probably what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, stop playing into political agendas. I don't think it's what Marvel really should be doing right now. Like, I'm fine if you're including new characters and including more ethnicities, but the way that they're doing it is feeling much more forced than natural to me right now. And I think that they can kind of do it much better like they did back when they did Black Panther. And recently Shang-Chi is a good example, but then you have other examples where it's much more forced, like with Black Widow and Internals. So I just kind of wish they would stop being political and just focus more on good storytelling. It's a story. Like, this is the MCU. This is superheroes versus villains. It doesn't need to be anything more (laughs) than that. We can watch their story, their woes, their political side. We don't need our own in there. This is a movie for us to get away from our our woes, not to add to them. Yeah. Um, Furthermore, from that... Uh, stop pushing old characters down to bring new characters up, whether it be new male or female characters. You know, stop doing what you're doing to Thor, where you're making Thor continuously more and more useless to bring these other new characters into the fold. I'm fine with old characters being cycled out to make room for new characters, but the way that they're doing it just feels kind of disrespectful to those characters, in my opinion. Uh, Disney Plus, I think it should kind of be used more as an exploratory tool than a paywall for important content. We're at a point where we're getting TV shows that do seem like they're going to tie in to the actual main plot threads of the MCU. But putting that behind a subscription paywall for some people means you are going to have parts of your audience that miss out on, you know, essential parts of the story. So I would like to see Disney Plus kind of use it more like they did with Moon Knight, where introduce characters, give them their own story, but don't make it to where, oh, you didn't watch this TV show? Well, this movie's going to make no sense to you then. See, that I definitely agree with, because, like, Moon Knight was, this is his intro. If you want to learn about him, you watch this show. You can look him up. But he can come into the MCU movies and have his role, but then you can come and like learn about him from this. Right. Yeah. I think that's a way better way to do it compared to, you know, like if you don't watch WandaVision, Multiverse of Madness makes even less sense to you, even though the movie already kind of doesn't make sense. But yeah, just use it more to like introduce characters, have some fun with them, but don't tie it so close to the MCU that it's like, you're going to have a knowledge gap if you're not subscribed small things have them do their small mission their small villains that they casually fight because that's where that's where a good amount of humor can come from for those things right some of them can be kind of serious but that's where you can kind of really have fun with these characters the movies are where you want to do like a serious story building up the the world and exploring it more right Yeah, moving on from Disney Plus, another thing I think Marvel kind of needs to do from here. We're we're in a phase where they're doing a lot of kind of fan service, bringing in old characters, crossovers, everything like that, which is fun and exciting. But I think they need to do it in ways that are more meaningful. Good example, like we said, Spider-Man No Way Home. Bad example, Doctor Strange with the, the Illuminati. 
just if you're gonna bring in these characters from outside the MCU, do it in ways that are meaningful, because, you know, these are meaningful characters to a lot of people. And then the last thing I think the MCU kind of needs to do from here, I think it's probably about time they kind of scale things back a little. Um, we've had consistent releases every year movie-wise, and now we're getting TV shows at a fairly constant pace as well. And I think there is a pretty good sentiment that there's just general fatigue with Marvel at this point. Um, you know, having to keep up with all the movies and the TV shows, it's getting to a point where maybe people just aren't as interested as they were previously. And a lot of people are still recovering. A lot of people are still trying to finally get back to the way things were and... Even the world itself still has a lot of its own problems right now. So having you release all these things, it's it's it adds a lot more to it because it's having us to catch up if we want to be a part of those experiences. Um, growing up watching that phase one, you know, that was a movie every once once a year. Or so yeah it wasn't very often i mean that was uh <clears throat> i think they did two in one year once i think it was a four-year block with six movies which ah. is not bad but i mean we're at a point now where it's like between the movies and the tv shows it's pretty constant it's the build-up for it and if you're <laughs> releasing everything constantly then you're overbuilding it up yeah it's at the point now where it's kind of starting to feel more like a chore to keep up with the mcu there's way more content now you have to go through to be up to speed. And, you know, for new Marvel fans, that's probably going to be a pretty daunting thing to look at when you're looking at Phase 4 having almost more content than the, all the other phases combined. That's too big of a collection that I have to buy. I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think they would benefit just from kind of slowing down a little bit. You know, maybe one or two less movies a year. Up until they start to build into the, the height of their next saga like they did with Phase 3. You know, it was really good progression where Phase 1 and 2 had six movies. And then more for Phase 3 because, you know, they were getting into the top of what they were trying to do with all that setup. Thanos was ready. Right. They were, they were ready. So, yeah, right now we're not ready. <laughs> Just scale it back. I, I wouldn't mind... Having fewer releases, I feel like it would kind of make it a little easier to go along with it, plus give relief to those people who are just kind of tired of having every blockbuster at this point be a Marvel movie. But that about sums it up for this episode. A little longer than it probably will be for some of the ones going forward, but there's a lot to talk about when you get into a topic like this. So I just want to take a moment to thank those of you who decided to listen to us today. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, stay tuned for our future episodes. This is hopefully the first of many that we will do. But just thank you for taking the time to listen. And if you're so inclined, we will see you next episode. Have a good time.